Let's do that hockey. We are listening to Dauber Prospects Radio. This is episode 93, and I have two guests with me today. Joining me are Dauber Prospects writers Yoki Nevalainen and Pat Quinn. And today we're going to be doing a little bit of talking about a couple of big projects that have come out on Dauber Prospects recently, the organizational rankings, and of course, the Fantasy Hockey Prospect Report. Uh, welcome to the show, boys. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So, Yoki, you and I have uh, had this conversation a couple times before, so thanks for coming back. Pat, this is your uh, this is your cherry, huh? First time on the podcast. Welcome, buddy. First time on any podcast. Yeah, don't say. Well, well I'm honored to be, uh, to be your first. You never forget your first, buddy. <laughs> yeah, especially because how it started. <laughs> A little traumatizing. Oh, well, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Um, Okay, so there's a lot going on in the hockey world. Um, Despite the fact that we're in COVID lockdown, we've got the NHL draft lottery coming up uh, tomorrow. Uh, We're recording this on Thursday, January 25th. And then the CHL import draft is next week on Tuesday. So some things are slowly starting to develop in the hockey world. Um, And we've been filling our time with with these big projects. And I kind of wanted to give them... A little bit of uh, time on the podcast because, um, well, I spent a significant amount of time during the COVID isolation working on these projects. So let's start with um, uh, just kind of doing a little bit of a review on each one. So the organizational pro- prospects ranking is is a uh, a project that I started when I was managing editor a few years ago, and it's ranking all the teams by their depth of their prospects. And it's kind of grown a little bit. It's become more involved. I've recruited the the help from other writers. Um, and the way we we, I, we do this process is I invite some of the senior editors and writers from Dauber Prospects to work with me. And it's pretty similar to what we do on the prospect report for the top 50. Everybody submits their list of uh, their top players. So for the organizational rankings, it's the top 10 per team. And then for the fantasy prospects report, uh, it's the top 50 players uh, that have zero games played in the NHL. So for the criteria for the organizational rankings is is was the first obstacle we had to overcome in order to create this project because there was there was a lot of debate and confusion as to what the criteria was. The fantasy prospect report, it's it's easy. It's if you played one regular season NHL game, you are no longer eligible for the top 50 list. That's pretty simple. Ours was a little bit more convoluted and we had a little bit of conversation about it. At first I was thinking, so what we'll do is any player that's over 25 years old is excluded. Uh, any player that's on the roster um, that's 21 years or under would be excluded from the top 10 rankings and go in a separate category. And you'd think that that would be pretty inclusive at a quick glance, but there was a lot of confusion about a lot of players. There's players that started in the NHL and got demoted, go up and back between the two leagues um, and have, you know, just around 25 games played or just about 25 years old. Um, So we had a lot of debate about that. What were some of the challenges you guys had with uh, discerning who would be categorized in the top 10 or they would be listed as uh, a surplus to the top 10 
because um, we allowed that too. So you'd have your top 10 rankings, and then if you still had players you thought were fantasy relevant, you could include them. But it was a minimum of 10. And then we had players who got bonus points as well for being on the roster under 21. What kind of struggles did you have with that, Pat? Um, I think the, maybe a bit of the idea to start was a little confusing because there was about, I don't know, 15 emails before we kind of got started about what our plan was. And yeah. then even then it was still a little different because I did do 10, but I pretty much put every team at about 13 to 15 because I was like, well, this guy could still make it and be like a fourth line guy or maybe bust up in the third line one day. Yeah, you were definitely the most generous with the rankings. You included a lot of bonus points for for players. Cam hardly had any team with more than 10 prospects. Um that's one of the things that I found interesting. Uh, but, Yoki, did you have what kind of challenges did you have with the rankings? Uh, well, I think it's always a bit difficult to determine who is really a full time NHL player and who is still a prospect. So, these guys who have like between 10 and 100 NHL games, they, they could really go either way. Uh, so I think that's the that's the confusing part every time. If you put a, a cap on the NHL games played, uh, even then it's not really perfect because some guys may play 100 NHL games without being full-time NHL players. So, and others may be full-time NHL players by the 25th game. So uh, I think that's the that's the difficult part always when trying to do this prospect rankings that who who actually qualifies for them and what kind of criteria to use there yeah uh Braid and i actually even went through each team and we decided on a phone call it was like okay so we'll just we'll iron this out we'll we'll list who the players are that are graduated and anyone who's not on this list is either not graduated or is over 25 years old and disqualified even then we still had some some discrepancies as to players getting ranked in the top 10 on one guy's list um like i think casey middlestad's a good example of this and then some other people had him under graduated so um but beyond those challenges everyone would also have um a different set of personal criteria perhaps in in their rankings and i certainly noticed this between different writers um, so what were some of the more important factors for me, it would be things like their age. Um, and that there's, there's a couple levels to that. If they're, if they're old, their upside is a little bit more, uh, defined. You have a better idea of, of what their ceiling would, should look like if they make it as a full-time NHL player. Um, but then again, this is fantasy ranking. So they're closer to being ready to contribute to your fantasy roster. So that's a plus. Um, what league that they play in, if you've got a player playing in the KHL and he's not producing very many points, is that because he's playing, you know, five minutes a night and sitting, you know, once every five games, not playing at all or, or something to that effect? Or is he playing in the CHL and he's playing against 16 years old players um, versus a player who's not producing as many points per game, but is in a professional league like the AHL? And then another thing that I would consider would be... Um, the team that, that drafted them, what's their drafting and developing history like? Do they have a history of, of developing players or do they rush guys to the NHL and ruin them or um, 
do they just not have a very good track record of producing NHL players? What were some of your criteria you leaned heavily on, Yoki? Uh, well, I think the the most important thing for me is always the projection. What what I'm projecting them to be at the NHL level. So that's my primary focus on on every ranking I do. Uh, the the team aspect and the opportunity. That's a bit more difficult to really say because many of these guys are still like three, four years away from the NHL. So a lot can change during that time. So I don't really, unless they're like almost NHL ready, I don't really take that into consideration because because of how much it can change during their development years. So I think it really, really comes down to the projection that if if I project them to be like a top six offensive player, then they're gonna end up quite high on the on my ranking. How about you, Pat? Um, mine's kind of the same thinking. Like top six or top three defensemen would get a higher ranking than the bottom ones. But uh, mine, when I looked at it again, was more if I see them making the team. Like, could they contribute in some way? And then sometimes I would take draft position into account as well. Because just looking at my list, um, I put Riley Tufty still on my list. And even though he's just a one, but he was a first round pick. So Dallas is still going to try to get him in the NHL in some way to justify picking him in the first round and spending all the money on that draft pick. Like, yeah. development and everything. Yeah, first round picks certainly get uh, every opportunity to succeed. Um, so I, I get that. One thing that I noticed uh, is that there is a lot more um, love from uh, everyone else that contributed to this than I did for younger players. I found that younger players uh, tended to rank pretty high. Um, and I also noticed that on the flip side of that, a lot of the players who played their four years of NCAA uh, or signed as free agents, uh, or players coming over from Europe, uh, didn't get quite as much recognition on this list. Now, keep in mind, when we started this project, it was months ago, before NCAA um, season ended, so a lot of the players hadn't signed yet when we started working on our rankings, and we chipped away at them over a couple of months. Um, so a player might have signed with a team after we had done our rankings for that team already and kind of forgot to go back to it uh same with european free agents but do you guys not put as much emphasis on those players as i do am i am i overvaluing them what do you think yogi well i think for me well i think it's a really common mistake to overvalue the younger guys uh i think most fantasy hockey players do that uh and I think for me, I, I think I do it as well, but I also take advantage of that. I utilize their trade value and trade them while, while they are still developing. So I think the, the older guys, uh, they've had more time to, to disappoint you. <laughs> so you can't really, you can't trade them. No one wants them anymore. You're starting to get a much better picture of what they'll become. And, people are just disappointed most of the time 
they don't end up being as good as you think they will be. So the older guys have disappointed you already and the other GMs don't want to trade for them. So I think it's easier to trade those younger guys. They have more trade value because they haven't had time to disappoint you yet. So <laughs> I think that's, that's part of the reason I, I put them quite high as well. What about you, Pat? Do you, do you put a lot of value on older players or not so much? Like a player like Chase Prisky, for example. Um, I usually put lower value on older players because you kind of know the more they play where they're going to end up, in a sense. And younger players, you're like, well, the variation where they could end up is a lot bigger. Right now, their ceiling looks out of this world. Maybe not that high, but they look like they have a higher ceiling than someone signed out of, say, the NCA for four years where no one wanted to draft them initially. But now they produce good enough results in their last two years of college, which is usually more of a red flag for me and fantasy-wise. The older they are producing in a league with younger players, usually the less they turn out. So that's kind of how... I would do it for older and younger players. All right. And what were some of the differences you guys found between ranking uh, players within organizations for the organizational rankings versus uh, ranking for the the top 50 for the prospect report? Pat. Uh, Well, organizational rankings here, I went, again, more, these are the guys I think could make it. And then for the top 50, it basically comes down to who I would want the most as a in my fantasy league for prospects. Um, and then in the same time with the fantasy report here, uh, there was one note I remember because I've always had Kaprasov really high, uh, but this time I put him at three and Byfield at two. And in my ramblings yesterday, which I think maybe came out today about the prospects report, hopefully you liked my note in there too, Pete. I thought that that was pretty good. <laughs> um, I put Byfield ahead of Kaprasov, even though he's younger and Kaprasov's older, just because I feel like Byfield ceiling, if he hits it, could be much better than Kaprasov's. So I kind of put it as like, here's where I think they could have it. And again, also the highest value they would have in trades. Like Yoki's idea. Yep. Yeah. One of the things that um, I found really interesting in this whole exercise was once I had everybody's submission and I was figuring out who the top 10 were per team. um, So these were all posted on different pages on a Google Doc. So I'd have to go back and forth between the pages, um, you know, start with Braden's rankings and then mine and then Tony's and so on and so forth. And I would just write them all down next to each other and then see who everyone ranked where and, and come up with what would be basically a consensus top 10 ranking. Um, of course, there were discrepancies from list to list and from my list to everyone else's as well. And that's what I found really interesting. I, I found a bunch of players um, who I didn't really know much about and wasn't giving them much attention and looked them up and was like, oh man, these guys are totally worth knowing. And then on the flip side, there was a couple players who I had ranked high and no one else had them ranked high or not as high or not even in the top 10. And it really made me second guess. So why do I like this guy so much? Um, and for the most part, for me, the the players who I ranked higher than everyone else were primarily college players who are 20, 
four-ish years old. Um, so we just kind of covered that. A couple of the players who I've really got turned on to from doing this report is uh, Antti Tomasito, defenseman for uh, for Detroit. He'll be going to University of Denver next year. So maybe after a couple of years in college, you guys will be less enthusiastic on him, and I'll be more <laughs> enthusiastic on him. And uh, Laurie Pagniemi, right winger for the Rangers, playing in uh, in TPS Liga next year. Um, so these are some players I didn't hadn't really seen much of them or heard much of them, uh, but they're firmly on my radar now. Were there any players that jumped out to you guys? Um, positively or negatively it's like you thought to yourself man i had this guy too high or who the heck is that and why don't i have him on my radar how about you pat uh go with yoki first i'm just checking it over to see because i <laughs> kind of half only remember the thing i'm like oh wait sure okay yoki yeah i think uh in most cases everyone else was higher on the many guys compared to me so I don't really know. I'm also trying to check if I can <laughs> spot anyone who would have been ranked higher than where I have them for them. Or I mean, lower than where I have them. But uh, sure. while you guys are looking, I'll also just kind of mention that this is an activity that if you're listening to this podcast and you're obviously into fantasy hockey and prospects, this is an activity that, that you could do on your own. You could take a look at each team's rankings and see how they compare versus yours. And it might um, have the same impact. It give you an opportunity to say, hmm, that guy's ranked pretty high. I'm pretty sure he's a free agent in my league. Maybe I could pick him up or um, maybe that's someone I want to target at my draft. Uh, I found it very useful for that. And it identified a couple of players in a, in a really deep league that I'm in that are still available um, who are now draft targets for me uh, in my coming up draft. Um, how'd the research go? Either one ready? Yeah. Not really. Do you have the consensus list in front of you where you could just point one off and be like, why did you think this guy was so high? Um, well, well, while, you look, while, you look, while you look for that, I, I can mention one thing that I really noticed when I was, when I was doing this as the... The Senators really had a great, great AHL team this past season, and it was a bit surprising to me. I didn't really follow the, them all that closely, and they had a, just a bunch of really good prospects who exploded offensively last season in the AHL, and that's obviously a great sign both for the team in the NHL and fantasy owners as well, that those guys are probably gonna gonna be up in the NHL quite soon and and I think that was that was a bit of a surprise for me and I hadn't realized how good their season was. Right. Okay, so let's talk about some of the teams. Um I mean this thirty one teams on this ranking, so we can't go over all of them. Um I thought maybe we could do the uh the top three. Um so the top three were the Kings, the Sens and Carolina. So some some takeaways or some things that jumped out about me from each team that we could talk about. Would let's start with the Kings. Um, they're third. We'll work our way down to number one. Uh, so we'll come back to the Sens in a second. Uh, so the Kings have a really solid top four: uh, Turcotte, Kaliev, Madden, and Fajimo. Uh, they're all forwards. Um, so I think the LA, and they've got a really deep top ten too. And you look at players who didn't rank in their top ten. 
And you can say this about all three of these teams will have players outside their top 10 that would be in top 10 on other teams. Guys like Aiden Dudas, Sean Dursey, Mikey Anderson, Cal Peterson. Um, so their top goalie prospect didn't make their top 10 list. Um, only one player um, is on their roster that's under 21 years old, Gabe Velarde. So for them to be ranked top three with only having one player on the U21 is is pretty good because the way we did our, our total scores, LA Kings got an 85 overall score as their average is our top 10 rankings would each have a point value. So Alex Turcotte would probably be about an, an eight or eight to 10 ranking from everyone and then so on and so forth all the way down. Um, and then, so they would have got a good rank, top 10 score contribution from there. Plus their roster players, uh, their other, sorry, their other players outside of their top 10. Uh, they have a number of them. Uh, one, two, three, four. I think I about 15 players who are also considered, who received votes from us as fantasy relevant on their depth chart. Uh, but only one player on the U21. So that speaks to the strength of their depth um, for players that are coming. Um, was there anyone that you guys thought were surprised that that wasn't in the top 10 or that was in the top 10 for the Kings? Um, I'm not sure who's looking at the, the page, but Yoki, have you got it there? Uh, well, I think I was surprised that I wasn't able to put Kim Nosiainen in the top 10 myself even because I'm a big, big fan of him and I, I had to put him at like 15 or something. So that was really, really surprising for me uh, and just speaks to the, the quality of their prospect pool right now that they have at least 10 prospects who are better than him and uh, and that's not really the case for many other teams. So, yeah, I think they had a, a bunch of guys who, who would have made the top 10 uh, on most organizations. And I think even capping it at 15 was a bit tough. They had more than 15 prospects I could have easily uh, listed there. So. Uh, yeah, they have a ton of depth. I'm not sure I'm I'm loving all the first round picks they're making, but uh, everything after that seems to be great. They're doing a great job with the mid round picks, especially. So uh, they're also acquiring some prospects via trades. So that helps helps build the prospect pool quickly. Yeah, one player that that moved up. Um, based on where from where I ranked him was uh, Samuel Fajimo. Um, so Yoki, you might be more familiar with him than Paderai because he plays in Europe, but uh, he had a pretty good showing at the World Juniors. Um, uh, were you surprised that he ranked where he did? Uh, I actually think I had him lower than the average. Uh, I'm a bit lower on him than than most people, just because I see him becoming more of a complementary offensive player, uh, maybe like a middle six complementary goal scorer. So uh, I think they have guys who uh, can create more offense on their own. He's more of a pure finisher who can can uh, finish what the other guys are creating. So I, I just usually put those creators higher in the ranking instead. Who jumped out for you, Pat? 
Yeah, I got to agree mostly with Yoki. They got tons of depth, so that's why I had them uh, where I did. I don't. I think they're about probably top five together for me. Um, I also had Fajimo slightly lower than where he was on the average for the exact same reason. Um, no one really jumped out for me, but I think a reason why no one really had Peterson on it is that um, maybe most of us assumed he was pretty much their NHL goalie from here on, or like a backup plus. And then that's why Grundstrom is also on the list, because we're like, well, he hasn't really made it yet. So that kind of gives an idea of where our initial confusion came from, too. Like, for me, I didn't put Peterson on my list, because I'm like, he's their NHL goalie, or at least backup for the time being. And Grundstrom, he still hasn't made it, but... He could contribute in a middle six, yeah, bottom six um, way in the future. Yeah, Velarde's another example. I mean, um, I hit Pat, you had him in your under 21 roster players, and I had him in my top 10. So there you go. There's another example of that confusion. Um, I think the Kings' biggest need uh, organizationally is goaltending. Uh, Cal Peterson is um, the heir apparent because there's no one better. It's not to say that he doesn't have the ability to be a number one goalie, but I don't think he's got, you know, Jonathan Quick or Martin Brodeur or Patrick Waugh upside uh, in his future. Uh, I think he should be a legitimate NHL goalie. Um, but there is a positional need that I think they might be interested in. Um, another thing that jumped out to me was they don't seem to have a lot of their prospects primed to graduate to the NHL. Uh, that's something that we'll see on the next two teams in Ottawa and Carolina. Uh, so, But I think most of their players, like Turcotte, Kaliev, Madden, Fajimo, those guys should play in the AHL next year. Turcotte may be the exception. Um, do you guys see anyone on that roster that could be, uh, that I'm undervaluing, that could be an impact player right away? Or make the NHL right away? Yogi? Uh, yeah, I think Turcotte definitely has a chance especially because they're rebuilding so they'll they'll give their top prospects a chance to earn, earn a spot right away uh, but yeah uh, it's it's gonna take another year or two before all of these guys are moving up uh, maybe that's a good thing they can they can acquire more picks the upcoming season and add even more prospects to their prospect pool but uh, but yeah, it's going to take a few more years before they're <laughs> back in the play of glory, I guess. Yeah, they seem to be taking a slower approach to it. They do have uh, three second-round picks, but only one first-round pick right now for the 20 draft. Um, it should be a top five. We'll, we'll know where it is tomorrow, hopefully. Um, Pat, did you uh, see anything different in there? Um, not really. Like, perhaps... Madden might be able to get a couple cups of coffee or maybe even Sean Dursey if they really want. Just yeah. no one that could really come in and impact it unless Turcotte has a great start to the season and maybe Velarde will keep his NHL spot. Hopefully yeah. he's he stays healthy. That I think he's yeah. in the NHL as long as he can stay healthy. And a back injury is is certainly not for certain if he can do that or not yeah i think uh, a, a few of these yeah. guys could get like some games next season like fat Gemo and madden and uh, mikey anderson and all these guys i think 
they're gonna give them chances to play, uh, but they're not gonna be impact players. Yeah. Right. And also so, with the Kings, sorry to cut you off with the Kings, I think their cap is still a bit of a mess, isn't it, too? I haven't opened that up, but I know they got the Doughty and Kopitar and Carter and Quick deals and Brown, I think, still has one year left. So they will yeah. like to use young players, but they might also not have room with yeah. other contracts well, and young players. As those as those contracts kind of wind down and there's there's less term on them, like Jeff Carter is a good example of someone who they could use as trade bait to acquire more picks and prospects. But it looks like the future is pretty bright for the Kings. They rank third overall, but I think you're going to have to be a little bit more patient uh, for them to start winning games again. Um, next team, second-ranked Ottawa Senators. So Yoki mentioned how good of an AHL season they had, and it was great. Um and they have their AHL team in Belleville, Ontario, which is about a two-hour drive from Ottawa. And there's no border crossings involved. It's They're both in, in Ontario. Uh, and they had a steady rotation of players going up and down and back and forth between. So a number of their players had uh, an opportunity to play in the NHL. Um, a, a lot of their, their top 10 uh, had, had looks in the NHL this season. Um, so the top-ranked prospect is Eric Brandstrom, who they acquired from Vegas in the Mark Stone trade on trade deadline day. And when that happened on TSN, Bob McKenzie said something that has stuck with me. He said that this is an A-list prospect who is in the same conversation as players like Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes. So it's been a, he's had a full season now in the Sens organization, and he's played... Almost all of it with Belleville. He had a couple of cups of coffee uh, with the Sens. But do you guys think that that comment by McKenzie is 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 relevant? Is it aging poorly? Uh, what do you think of Eric Brandstrom, um, Pat? I'd put him a step below those two, which is nothing negative to him. But I just think those two have kind of exploded out the gate. Um, and yeah. To jump on your guys' point, with they did have a strong AHL team, and they brought them up every once in a while to the NHL, but I think that also might have been a, we don't want to pay them their one-way contract money versus their two-way contract money thing with Ottawa as well, and that's why they might have kept a lot of players in the AHL when they could have brought them up sooner or for longer periods. I remember Logan... Oh, Logan Brown. Yeah, he was wicked in the AHL, but they never seem to want to keep him up in the NHL for very long. Yeah, I would say that there's certainly cap uh, influences on on their decision there. You're you're a bad team. You want to keep these players down in the NHL. And, um, but I also think a part of it was just good development and insulating them from a losing environment in yeah. the NHL. You bring them up and give them give them cups of coffee. It's like, this is what it's like to play in the show. It's nice. Charter jet planes, five-star hotels, everything's fancy <laughs> and luxurious. And then you go back to riding the bus in the A. Um, it's Ottawa, but, though. I'd say three-star hotels. <laughs> yeah, they got a couple nice ones. Um, <laughs> it's, it's The hotels would be when they're on the road, though, anyways. Um, uh, what about uh, what about you, Yoki? You want to chime in on Brandstrom? Yeah, uh, well, I think First of all, uh, if we look at the, the prospects that Makar and Hughes were a year ago, uh, they would be a step below the guys they are right now. So 
yeah. no one really expected them to explode the way that they did right away. So I think uh, at the time, maybe Brandstrom was close to them as a prospect, but right now uh, he shouldn't be in that same discussion anymore. Uh, but yeah, I, I still like him a lot. Uh, I do think he's a A-level prospect, but uh, just that Makar and Hughes are like A++++ guys. <laughs> and uh, So that that's why I, I don't really like that comparison of putting them in the same group. Okay, well, let's, yeah. let's, let's put it this way. Makar and Hughes are Calder finalists this year. Do you think Brandstrom will get Calder consideration if he plays full-time in the NHL next year? But I think he could. Kind of, yeah, but he has Chabot ahead of him for yeah, I was, minutes, so I was going to say it's, that. It's much tougher when you have that kind of a young offensive start ahead of you. That's something that Makar and Hughes didn't really have. Yeah, Makar had the advantage of playing on Colorado, which is a very good competitive team. Yeah, with a great power play unit uh, where he played, so... Dan Hughes got a great power play unit with Vancouver too. So, yeah. Well, and sense Brandstrom's got to be able to fit into the number one power play, and Chabot's got it right now. Yeah. Right. All right. So the next uh, couple players in their top five are all forwards. You've got Drake Batherson, Josh Norris, who led all AHL rookies in scoring, uh, Logan Brown, um, and Alex Formenton round out the top five. I predict that Batherson, Norris, and Brown are full-time NHL players next year, and they're done in the AHL. Do you guys think there's any scenario where that doesn't play out, Pat? Um, it's hard to judge with Ottawa because maybe they want to bring in more veteran talent too. You never kind of know. I would assume Brown and Brandstrom, I mean, Batherson would be. Formanton, I'm like, he might be up and down again because they still might not be competitive next year. Yeah, so they've got uh, one, two, three, four forwards under contract for next season. <laughs> yeah, one, one of them is Bobby Ryan. <laughs> uh, uh, so you can scratch uh, Michael Bodker off the list as a, as a UFA and uh, probably Scott Saburn as well. And RFAs, Chris Tierney, Connor Brown, Anthony DeClaire, Jace Howerluck, Rudolph Balsers, and Nick Paul. Uh, it's a good chance that they resign the first three, Tyranny Brown and Duclair. I think those guys were very effective players for the Sens. Howerluck, Balsers, and Nick Paul are kind of kind of fringe players, in my opinion. Um, but they're still young, so they might be interested. Um, yeah, Ottawa's got to hit the cap floor too, though, right? So this is true. This is definitely true. That's why I don't know for sure if they're going to be able to fit all these guys on there. Uh, Yoki, what's your take on on uh, Brown, Norris, and Batherson being full time NHLers? Uh, yeah, I think they've earned that. But uh, as you guys mentioned, uh, it may not happen for all three guys. So, and also teams don't really love putting a bunch of rookies on the roster right away. So maybe they'll start with one or two of them, and then maybe add a couple more during the season. Uh, but yeah, they're probably going to add a couple of veteran players in free agency and and maybe these guys will have to transition to the wing as well 
uh, they're all natural centers, but all three of those guys, but uh, I'm not sure there's going to be room for them down the middle. So maybe that's also something that which one of adjusts to the wing the best. Yeah, yeah. Bathurst's already started that adjustment. He was playing right wing for, uh, for the Belleville Sens a lot this season. And when he's made it to the NHL, I think it was it was at, at the wing. Um, he's my pick for the most likely of the three to make it. I think he's got a very well-rounded game. He looked good in uh, his NHL previews that he's already had, score a couple of goals. Um, he's fast, he's big, and you can play two ways. He may not have the offensive upside that you get with the other two, but I think he's the closest to NHL ready now. And I think Norris um, could maybe benefit from a little bit more time in the AHL more than, than the other two. Um, so I'd, I'd rank them Bathurst and Brown Norris as probabilities to play in the NHL. Um, yeah. uh, another player that I want to talk about who's just outside their their top five is Vitaly Abramov. So anyone who listens to this podcast knows I'm a big fan. Um, he's a burner and he's got great speed. Uh, he's tenacious with the puck. Uh, he's just, he's a flat out really fun player to watch, which is why I like him so much. Um, I think he's got boomer bust written all over him. He's either going to be a, heading back to Europe or he's going to make it to the NHL. Um, and if he makes it to the NHL, it's not going to be in the bottom six. He's just not that kind of guy. Um, so if you had to choose one or the other, boomer bust, what do you guys think, uh, Abramov is? Yoki. Uh, first of all, I'm not sure if that's true. I mean, uh, he was a pure skill guy in junior, and I think he realized when he when he moved up to the AHL level that he's not gonna make it to the NHL with his pure skill alone. And I think he's been turning more into a 200 foot player in the AHL, especially this past season. So I think. Uh, it's it's a more realistic scenario now that he could be a third-line player, uh, like an offensive third-line player. So uh, so I think, yeah, it, it's, there's a good chance of him becoming a, like a middle-six player. Uh, I, I like his skill and I like the way he's rounded out his game. So I think that's, that's going to be a lot of these young offensive stars have to do that. They have to decide if they're going to keep on pushing with their skill and talent alone or if they're going to make some adjustments to their game. And uh, I'm happy to see that he's been figuring it out lately. Well, he definitely found some some consistency this season, which was really nice to see. Um, Pat, boom or bust? Uh Boom, as in, I think he'd make the NHL. I've always liked watching Abramov in the queue. I thought he was underrated in the draft, but that could also be a size issue. I had him five on my list for Ottawa, so I like him. I agree he's probably more in the middle six sort of role for the wing. Um, But yeah, I see him making the NHL. At least I hope I do, because I think he's got the skill to make it. Okay, doing the rankings, um, no one ranks... The goalie's the same, and there's a bunch of really good goalie prospects in the system. Um, Philip Gustafson got the most higher-ranked votes, but he certainly wasn't the consensus. Um, who do you guys think is the top goalie in the system? You got Gustafson, 
Joey Decord, Marcus Hogberg, um, and Mad Sogard. For me, I think I like um, Joey Decord slightly, but it's really a, a four-way coin toss for me. Um, what do you think, Pat? Uh, I had Hoberg ranked ahead, but goalies are pretty much, uh, for me, it's one year they're good, one year they're not good. So you just got to keep hoping that they're good for a few years back to back before you can really say where they are. But he's already played in the NHL and he looked pretty good last year to me. So that's why I had him as my highest guy on the list. Yoki? Uh, I think Sogard and Gustafsson have the h- highest upside among those, but uh, none of them really are a sure thing. Uh, I had Gustafsson rank the highest just because he's a couple of years ahead of Sogard. So if I was ranking based on their upside alone, I think I would have Sogard uh, at the top, but taking the uh, time frame and upside and all that into consideration. Uh, I ended up putting Gustafsson at the top. Okay, so we solved nothing. Yoki likes <laughs> Gustafsson and Sogard. Pat likes Sogberg and I like Joey Decord. I'll put <laughs> Gustafsson second because they traded for him for a reason, so he can win. Yeah. But yeah How about this? There, there's, sense... there's, no, there's no real winner among that group. So. Yeah. <laughs> Have, I, I, I think they all have the ability to be starting goalies in the NHL, though. If everything yeah. breaks well for them. Yeah. yeah. That's almost every goalie you draft, though. Fair, fair. How about this scenario? Imagine the Sens got, you know, a couple first-round picks in this draft coming up and how the lottery sorts out. What if they go ahead and take uh, Askarov with one of their first-round picks? That would really change the dynamic, wouldn't it? It would be him and everyone else. Yeah. yeah, but maybe, maybe that'd I be a good target if they have top. so many good skaters and their defense is decent too. I mean, no, I wouldn't waste a top three pick on him um, when you could have, you know, a, a Lafreniere or Byfield or Stutzlow. You got to go with those guys. But if they end up picking just inside the top 10, I think there's potential for that to happen. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't know if they can even drop that low. Uh, isn't it like six, the lowest where they can go? Right. Something like that. So, But yeah, I, I think they've just spent so much uh, draft capital on, on goalies already. And uh, that might be a bit of a waste if they now added Ascaro to the, to the pool and everyone else becomes kind of like worthless at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess that's the decision they have to make, right? Draft Askarov and make him the future in goal and make all of their other assets um, devalued or pass on him and go with another another forward or a defenseman and then hope that one of those uh, nickels turns into a quarter. Um, so we talked about the Kings and how they don't really have anything coming up out of the pipe right away. And we talked about the Senators and how they've got a bunch of players who are on the cusp of making it. Um, let's take a look at how further down the organization the depth goes with Ottawa. They've got a really, really, really strong AHL roster. But if they graduate a number of players, who do they have coming that could fill those roles and, and keep the pipeline coming? 
Um, so they have good players in their system that that aren't in AHL. Um, Kastelik, Gruden, Pinto, Bernard Docker, Alsing, Tyconic are some of the, the top players. Some of those guys are playing NCAA, so they're not likely to to come yet because they haven't signed pro deals yet. Um, and then you've got, you know, European players. Who do you think is going to be a player that fills the roster spot in AHL for them, that graduates to the AHL from the Sands organization? Um, uh, Yoki. Well, I think uh, Ole Alsing is, is definitely going to be good enough to play in the AHL. Uh, he's been a great SHL player already, so I think that's definitely one guy who will jump in and maybe take like Brandstrom's spot on the AHL roster. Uh, but for the forwards, that's going to be a bit bit more difficult because they don't really have the the NCAA guys. I think are all going back to college, unless I'm mistaken. So, so yeah, it's going to be a bit bit tough to fill out the AHL roster, but but like yeah, Gruden is gonna be definitely one of those guys, I think, and not sure about the others. Pat? Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I think they're still gonna do a lot of up and down next year, so I don't know how many roster spots they're gonna need to fill as they wait for uh, European players or NCAA players to come over. Uh, Yoki, I had the last time I had you on the podcast, we were talking about free agents coming from Europe, and the Sens signed one of the guys we talked about. So now that we know that Artem Zub is a Ottawa Senators prospect, uh, let's revisit that. And where do you think his uh, fantasy value is going into the season? Uh, if if you're in a in a league that counts hits uh, shots, then and maybe he he'll give give you some value, but. If it's a points-only league, then I wouldn't bother with him. Uh, he's not going to be a point producer. He's more of a physical presence. And uh, yeah, I think that the biggest value comes from his NHL readiness. So I have zero doubts about him being ready to play in the NHL right away. Uh, so if you want a depth guy who can, who can bring you some hits, uh, then maybe he's your guy, but don't expect points from him right on okay so let's let's move on to number one the first overall ranked team is carolina hurricanes um so i guess the first question i would have is how much credit do you guys give ron francis to the makeup of this organization because i think he deserves a lot of credit i think a lot of these players were acquired by francis or were assets acquired by francis um what do you think pat uh, I guess you got to give, yeah, the GM credit. Mostly, I would say the scouting staff. And I know Carolina is pretty high into the draft analytical information. So um, credit's all around for me. Even now, they still draft well. Mm-hmm. Yoki? Yeah, I think it's, it's a bit difficult to really pinpoint who who should get the credit because... They've continued to draft really well, and they've acquired uh, good young players via trades. So, uh, 
yeah, Francis did a great job, but I, I think they continued that great job after him as well. So, yeah, they made a number of of trades this season towards the end of the year, <clears throat> where I felt like they were trading multiple players, like a couple of nickels for a quarter type deal, because I think they had a lot, a lot, a lot of good quality prospects, so they were able to package them up and and move up a little bit. So that's good asset management. Um, I like it too. The number one player ranked on Carolina was Dominic Bach, and I did not have him ranked number one, uh, but almost everybody else did. So go ahead and convince me why you guys ranked Bach ahead of Bean and Suzuki, who I had him higher than him. Uh, Yoki. Uh, I had Bach and Suzuki both with the same score, so I, I don't really see much difference between them. Uh, I'm not sure if I really debated the the order all that much. I think uh, I didn't really see much difference between <laughs> between the two, so uh, it just happened to land that way. Uh, but yeah, he's um, he's a great prospect for fantasy hockey. A great offensive talent because uh, because of just his mind uh, and his puck skills and his shot. He, he has all the tools to be a top six scoring winger. Uh, he really he struggled in the first half of the season, which is affecting a lot of people's minds about him. But after a great performance at the World Juniors, he really found his confidence and was a completely different player in the second half of the season. And that's that's when he really showed once again, that he, he is a high-end talent who, who will be a great NHL player. Pat? Uh, I actually had Bach and Bean ranked the same, so that's kind of funny. Um, I put Bach ahead for mostly the same reasons, but I think in the end, I'd rather own him as a potential top six winger than Suzuki, who I believe he plays mostly center. In CHL, so yeah. he's got to also transition to wing before he makes the NHL, and sometimes that can be a little difficult for players because I think Carolina's probably going to have a top nine center locked up for like five years. So, right, so not a lot of difference between the top three across the board with Box Suzuki and being even Reese. Um, gets into the conversation quite frequently here. Um, so really just kind of splitting hairs between their their top three or four prospects, I suppose. I like Bean because I think he's um, he dominated the AHL league-leading scorer amongst defenders. Uh, I think he's going to be playing in the NHL next season. Um, and that put him ahead of Suzuki, who's got another season in in the O, and Bach, who's coming, who signed and coming to North America. But um, I think he's probably going to get more starts in the AHL than the NHL. Um, do you guys kind of see that the same, or am I still undervaluing Bach? Uh, I actually wouldn't be shocked if they loaned him back to Sweden for another year. So really, they they always have the option. Just depends on what their AHL situation is going to be. But he could he could learn a lot with another full season in the SHL. Uh, but yeah, I think he, he can play in the AHL already, but but he's nowhere near 
NHL ready. So another full season. Well, that's interesting that you say that because um, one of the things that impresses me the most about Carolina's prospect pool, and well, first of all, it's it's deep, it's high end heavy. You've got Sveshnikov and and Martin Neshash on the NHL roster already, uh, so there's a lot of points going around there um, for the depth, the quality, and then your over 21 players. But what jumped out to me about this when I was looking up each player and, and I did the Carolina for the prospect report as well is they got a couple of players who are already in the NHL. They have a couple of players who I think are ready to play in the NHL. Um, and that would be Bean and Morgan Geeky and Alex Nedeljkovic. Um, I think there's an opportunity for him now. They've been slow cooking him. So you move a couple players out of the AHL, you got to replace those. And they've got guys who are primed for a bigger role in Carolina next year. And I put Bach in that category. I think they will put him in a top six position or give him the chance to play top six uh, in Charlotte. Matthäus missed pretty much the whole season with injuries. Joey Keane was acquired late in the season via trade. Uh, David Cotton is graduating from the NCAA and has signed. He'll be playing in the AHL this season. So you've got an influx of players coming to their system in the AHL. And then you still have a significant amount of relevant prospects playing outside of the organization. I mentioned that Suzuki has got another season in the O. Reese has another season in the O. And you got a bunch of guys in, in Europe as well. Um I think Carolina is a contending team right now. I think they're graduating prospects, and I think they still have a very sustainable pipeline of prospects coming. Um, for me, that's why they they ranked number one overall. Um, what do you guys have? What, what are your thoughts on that, Pat? Uh, pretty much the exact same. I think the big challenge for them is going to be the big challenge for every team this year, and the reason why they might keep Bach in Sweden is that. No one knows when the AHL is going to start, so it makes sense to keep him in Europe and their other European free agents over there. Not free agents, but draftees over there. Um, so yeah, with the AHL up in the air and no one really knowing when anything's going to kind of concrete start, I think this whole year is kind of, you just got to make a big old guess. <laughs> but I pretty much yeah. agree with everything you said, so... Thoughts, Yoki? Yeah, and I'll just add that the the difference in quality between the AHL and the SHL is is really really small. Uh, a lot of people would even argue that the SHL is a better league than the AHL. So uh, either way, he needs a year of development. So just keeping him where he is comfortable might make more sense at this point. Uh, but yeah, obviously you need to add some some guys to your AHL roster when you are graduating some guys from there. So it, it really comes down to how they want to fix that if they want to add some some AHL players from free agency or something like that maybe. But but yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of their drafting, especially last year they did just a ridiculous job. Uh, scooping all the Finnish talent like 50 picks later than where they should have been taken. So uh, they they really, they had a new Finnish scout last year. It was his first year scouting and they took three 
of his guys in his first year. So I think that's <laughs> that's a pretty remarkable thing to do, giving that kind of uh, respect for your first year scout. Well, let's talk about one of those players. Um, when I did the research for the prospect report, uh, one player that uh, I learned a lot about and really like is Tuka Tiksola. Partially because he sounds like I'm ordering IKEA furniture. Hi, do you guys have Tuka Tiksola in brown? Um, but Yoki, tell me a little bit about him. He did not crack our top 10. And I think only one person, and it might have been you, Pat, ranked him inside the, the top 10. Um, I was I didn't even have him in there, and I was a little bit surprised, which is a testament to the players ahead of him on the death chart. Uh, but is he a player you can see being in the top 10 next year? Uh, definitely, yeah. Uh, I had him 11th myself, and it's only because he's he's so far away from the NHL. He He's a high-end talent. Uh, just a, so, so talented offensively. Uh, a great skater. The problem is that he needs to add like 30 pounds of muscle before he's going to be NHL ready. So that's going to take a bunch of years to get to that level he's he's really immature physically uh that's that's the reason he didn't even play in the league this season that he just wasn't ready for it uh physically he his skill level was definitely good enough for the men's level but uh his physique wasn't so uh that's that's the big thing we have to wait a few years for him uh but i think he's gonna be worth the wait I ranked him like late second round last year, uh, and I'm still very happy with that ranking. Uh, but but yeah, uh, it's gonna be a long wait. Right on, Pat. Thoughts on Tixola? No, I don't really have anything to add. I added. A, I actually had him twelfth. So yeah, I looked yeah. it up. Tony Tony had him in the top ten. He was the uh, only one. Carolina's strategy last year of just trading down and getting as many basically project type picks was pretty awesome and that really helped them i loved watching that at the draft actually uh i hated it because all, <laughs> all the players that they picked i had on on my fantasy radar and i had them kind of penciled in later rounds than where carolina picked them so at one point i went over to kane scout mike dawson and told him you guys are destroying my <laughs> fantasy draft strategy here quit picking my guys so early and we had a we had a laugh about that um okay so that pretty much wraps up the organizational prospect rankings review and uh and chat on the fantasy hockey prospect report um if you're looking for either of these you can find this series of articles um for the organizational report on dauber prospects under uh the feature column where is it NHL draft. Uh, yeah, so you click on the NHL draft and feature stories. And if you want to get the fantasy prospect report, you just click on the shop in the top right hand corner of any of the Dauber websites. The Dauber Hockey or Dauber Prospects will take you right to it. Uh, it's a fantastic guide. I've been able to contribute to it for a few years now, buy it every year, and I reference it throughout the season as um, players get called up. I want to look and see if I want to pick them up off the waiver wire. The Fantasy Hockey Prospect Report is a really great way to to get some quick information on them uh, and find out what you're what you're looking at in that player. Uh, Yoki, you also have uh, a podcast 
coming up in the works, eh? Um, you and Tony are doing a show. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, we're just starting. So, so Tony and I are taking the draft scouting to a whole new level next season. We we put together a team of like 15 scouts or something like that all around the world. And so we're going to do a, a ton of scouting next year for the 21 draft. And we just figured that it's it's a good good way to, to share some of our thoughts on the players we are scouting throughout the season that we're going to have a podcast where Tony and I will be chatting about them and, and having our regional scouts uh, coming in and sharing some of their thoughts as well. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think we're trying to get the first episode uh, done somewhere mid-July, maybe, before before the hockey starts here in Europe. They're, they're planning on having the first under-20 camps in late July already. So we're trying to get the first episode out before that. But, but yeah. That's very, very exciting. I'm so looking forward to that show um, hosted by Joki Nevalainen, the head of European scouting for Dauber Prospects, and Tony Ferrari, North American head scout for for DP. So that's going to be a great show. And I'm really looking forward to hearing all about the 2021 draft class and beyond. Um, so you can follow uh, Pat and Yoki uh, guests on today's episode on Twitter. Pat's uh, Twitter handle is F H P Quinn. And uh, Pat has been an associate editor with, with Dauber prospects um, forever. So I think you were there before I was there. Eh, Pat. Uh, no, you were the one who actually promoted me. Did I? Yeah. But you were already on the staff, though. Oh, yeah. I've been writing Washington forever. That's right. But That's it's right. always kind of been like, give me someone to write about Washington. And Yeah. Yeah. And, At least and they got McMichael. There you go. <laughs> you'll, have to, uh, you'll have to change teams at some point because you got to be getting bored about talking about nobody for five years now. And uh, Yoki, uh, your Twitter handle is Yoki Nevalainen, J-O-K-K-E-N-E-V-A-L-A-I-N-E-N. Um, you probably are already following these guys if you're listening to this podcast, but if you're not, give them a follow. And uh, stay tuned to Yoki's Twitter account for updates on his podcast when that, when that starts, the to-be-named podcast. Uh, any final parting thoughts here, boys? No, but sorry about the random noise. It's my first time. <laughs> and apparently my speakers work really well and then don't work really well. And by speakers, uh, I mean microphone. Yeah, fair enough. Well, it worked out pretty good. Uh, Yoki? Ah, this was fun. Yeah, man. Else? <laughs> it's always good to chat some hockey. Uh, boys, thanks very much for, for coming on the pod again uh, and for the first time. And uh, I'll have to have you both back on in, uh, in the future when we got... Maybe we'll do a mock draft. with the uh, If the lottery goes well and we only need the one, uh, maybe we can just kind of guess at the final standings from the playoffs if they even happen and then uh, get some of the boys together and do a mock draft. That could be fun. Everyone loves a mock draft, except <laughs> but to give the people what they want. All right, so thanks for listening to episode 93. Uh, we'll see you when the next one comes out. Keep your stick on the ice.